This is the sermon of the AFM Impact Christian Center in Madrid. For more information, contact us on www.afmimpact.org or email us on info at afmimpact.org. We'd like to hear from you. Good morning, Impact family. Thank you so much for having us. It's really, it's really a blessing to come and share what the Lord has done in our lives. I just thank Pastor Owen and Amelia for inviting us and may this be a blessing. May it be a blessed time for, for all of us as we, as we can grow and learn from um, what we've been through and, and praise the Lord for that. I really, really do praise Him. So the question has to be, what is our hope today? Where is our hope? Is it in what the world can offer? Is it in materialism? Is it in alcohol, drugs, pornography? Where is our hope? And especially this time, but we should always be asking this question. And it's, it must be centered in Jesus. It must be in, in Christ and the living God. And it's amazing how so many people today, are unfortunately, they have their, their priority, so to speak, in the wrong place. And, and may this be an encouragement to all of us that our hope is in the one who, who came from heaven, who emptied himself of every single privilege, took on the form of a bondservant, and came in the likeness of man to redeem man. You see, the thing is that we cannot be around a holy God. And a holy God is holy, he is righteous, he is just, and... For us to be reconciled and redeemed and to be made righteous in the eyes of God, He, the only one, could redeem us from sin and from transgression. And really, really just praise the Lord for that, that He's made that possible through Jesus Christ. And by, by that, that moment on Calvary was a really, really special moment for the whole world. And once we start realizing the power of the gospel, it will transform our lives. And praise God that it's happened in my life. Six years ago, I was in, invited to, well, we were invited to a friend's 30th birthday party. And it was out in Middleburg where it was quite an isolated area. We were having a bride the night before getting seriously intoxicated. And obviously that was what my whole life was about. It was about um, alcohol, uh, partying, drugs, weed, pornography, whatever, whatever it may be. That was what it was about. But we were just enjoying ourselves, if, if you wanted to look at it in a secular sense. And what happened is there was a fuffy slide that was slung over a river. It was about 30 meters long. And everyone was using it the night before, but they were really, you know, injuring themselves. And I was really concerned about them. But nonetheless, the next morning is, is where we were just relaxing there by the pool and, and swimming in the river. And my friend, whose birthday it was, he used the fuffy slide and he, he had quite a fun little slide so I thought that looks great and what had happened is I went over to use the slide but I went through the river to to sort of wash myself down because it was very very hot and as I tried to propel myself off the rock my hand slipped off and I fell over a height of about four meters ended up falling on my neck and I broke my neck at c6 level within two minutes I was completely paralyzed from the neck down couldn't feel a thing when you look at the movies and you see someone touching their legs and they're saying, oh, I don't have any feeling, that's pretty much what was going through my mind. It was chaos. They started phoning um, the, the ambulance. The ambulance arrived 45 minutes later. We were in an isolated uh, area. And so what had happened is that the advanced life support stabilized me. They took about eight people to carry me through the river into the ambulance. And the people were just, just before that just trying to keep me hydrated, keep me awake. It was very hot. And I just wanted to, again, looking at the movies and someone walks behind you 
breaks your neck, right? You go to sleep. Well, that's what they tell us at least. Um, I was trying to do that myself because I was in immense amount of pain. So what happens is as you fall, and you hurt your spinal cord, you get these pins and needles that run up your spinal cord and it shocks. And so you can feel that sort of everything starts numbing out and starts dying out from the toes up. And I got to a place in Middleburg, which is called MidMed Hospital. I had found out that I had not had a medical aid. It was a gap policy, so the medical aid that I thought it was was as good as what was written on it meant nothing. Going from Middleburg to Johannesburg, there were a lot of problems, a lot of issues because of interprovincial transfers. Trying to get into a private hospital, I don't have medical aid. Helen Joseph accepted me, and then my bed was taken. So I lay in Middleburg for about 20 hours, trying to get into a hospital in Johannesburg. We obviously live in Johannesburg, that's why we're trying to get back to this area. And through uh, various people, we managed to get into Millpark. All of us, I suppose, know Millpark Hospital. And there, they accepted me, but there was one condition. Because I didn't have medical aid, I had to put down a 350,000 rand deposit. Kelly and I loaned 1,000 rand to go on to this weekend. So you can see we went in a position to pay for a medical expense. And in hindsight, hindsight's a beautiful thing when you see what the Lord has done in all of our lives. And I just look back and he had his hand on every single thing, even though I did not know him. I did not serve him. Um, I thought there was a God. But, you know, being in the world, I thought I was pretty great myself. And so Jesus Christ, I did not know. I didn't know that we serve a triune God. I can go into all the theological aspects, but that's giving you an idea of where I was in my belief. Got to Mill Park. They put me in a room. They did various tests on me and determined that I need to go for an operation where they go in front, yeah, cut it open. They take your esophagus and move your esophagus aside and they go into your hip. They cut your hip and they make a cage. So they fuse together C5, 6 and 7. C6, if all of you want to go like this and feel on the back of your neck, there's a bone sticking out there, that's your C6 bone. What had happened is my uncle, well our uncle was a very faithful, faithful man. He, he serves the Lord Jesus Christ in every capacity. And he came to pray with me. And he said to me, obviously in and out of morphine and these things, what would you like to pray for? And I said, I didn't even know you could pray. You do what you've got to do. Just, I don't know. And he prayed and he just asked the Lord for, for peace, for strength, for comfort, for endurance through this time. And obviously I still had not known what had happened to me. I didn't know that I broke my neck. However, there was a lady that was my nurse and her name was Sylvie. She was a Nigerian lady and she said, are you a Christian? So I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So she just said that was the most powerful prayer she's ever heard. And she says, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to be okay. Praise God for that. This was the Sunday, the Tuesday, or from the Sunday to the Tuesday, I, I was put on what is known as traction. So they take a steel structure, they bolt it to your head, and they put a five kilogram ball on this thing. So it stretches out your spinal column so that they can do the operation. I went into the operation, everything went well, praise God, and came out and started looking a bit up, started looking a bit uh, more alive and things like that. And again, Wednesday, my uncle, the uncle Eddie came to us and said, what would you like to pray for? And we, he's trying to get me into understanding this relational aspect with the Lord Jesus Christ. And my lungs were failing. So my lungs, because of the accident, if you break your neck, your nerves and everything, you know, it starts getting very tired, very lazy. And the lungs were falling flat. And so what I started doing is I started breathing with my diaphragm, right? The bottom side of our body. And the doctor said, if you don't breathe with your lungs or start breathing with your lungs, we're going to have to put you on a ventilator. Now, 
If you've seen what a ventilator looks like, it's exceptionally scary. And in the corner of the ICU at Park, there was an old guy on a ventilator. And I was like, if we can pray for something, please pray that this doesn't happen. I don't want to go on the ventilator. And praise God, prayer started getting answered. I started coughing a little bit better, which is not like a cough like we know, but it was just ever so slightly. And the, 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 it, started, it started getting better. So the most important time and part of my life up until right now where I am now was this Thursday night in hospital. What had happened is well, I was in ICU and everything went exceptionally quiet in around 6 o'clock at night. Bearing in mind, if I had a 24-hour nurse next to my bed, I couldn't scratch my head, I couldn't drink water, I was just lying there, I couldn't move anything. I could only move my eyes and my mouth. So everything I had done, I couldn't move. Everything went exceptionally quiet. A huge sense of peace came over me. And there were four things that I heard, which I call over the airwaves. Airwaves, sorry, airwaves. Everything is going to be okay. There's a few things I want you to learn from this accident. I want you to go and inspire as many people as possible. And I want to bring you and Kelly closer to me individually and as a couple. And that piece actually brought me to a stage where I thought I was dying. And I was quite happy to go because it was very, very peaceful. Slowly but surely the monitor started coming on. My heart monitor was coming on. Because remember I was in all sorts of piping and all sorts of things like that. And I could hear the guys next door. And so I started realizing, hang on a second. Something seems different. You know, the, the darkness that I was in is gone. I can see in love, I can see in light, I can see in hope. Everything changed, and it was the most amazing moment of my life, and that is exactly where my life changed. My wife came in the next day, I spoke to her, I told her what had happened, and I said to her, you have to understand how amazing this is. I'm a changed man. And obviously, knowing my history, she would have been a little bit skeptical probably, but praise God when, when she started seeing my eyes. She looked at my eyes and she said, your eyes are different. Your eyes have got love in them. Your eyes are looking hopeful. Your eyes have got all these things where your eyes were hardened before. And that is what the world does. The world hardens us to such an extent that we don't know the things of God. We don't think of the things of God. The Bible says that there is no one righteous, no, not one. And we know that all fall short of the glory of God. Lamentations 3, 22-23 when, I, when the Lord said to me, everything is going to be okay, listen to this text. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There are a few things I want you to learn from this accident. And that's where it's not only that I have to learn from it, but we all must learn from what happens, I suppose, to other people and how they came to the Lord. In that Kelly and I had to learn many things. We were living in sin. We were disobeying God's laws. Not that I knew him, but she knew him more than I did. And these are the things that the Lord says. When you have to learn lessons, we have to come from a place of complete um, opposition to God. and come into his loving arms. But then, remember the Lord says that those whom he loves, he rebukes and chastens. So you have to be coming into a place where, where you start obeying and, 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 and loving the things of the Lord instead of the things of this world. To inspire many people as possible, I suppose, looks at the Great Commission. Because I, wanted you to, I want you to go and inspire many people as possible. And that's for all of us. And go. Don't, don't let anything hold you back in the sense of, Oh, Lord, but I don't know if this person's going to reject me or the gospel or whatever the case may be. They're not rejecting us. Remember, they're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. He's capable. 
He's extremely capable. We just need to be obedient and go and preach the gospel of Jesus. And then I want to bring you and Kelly close to me individually as a couple. And what really stuck out for me there was that we were going to separate or part ways pretty soon. And, you know, in, in repentance and coming to acknowledge that we are sinners and we need that Savior that is Jesus, we started realizing that we were living in sin and everything that we were doing was opposing His Word. And praise God for that, that He woke us up to that. A couple of days later, well, I kept on having Psalm 113. Psalm 113, Psalm 113 on my mind, and I didn't know there were 113 Psalms, let alone 150. And so, I just, every time I would try, remember I was extremely tired at that time though, so every time I would try and get someone to read the Psalm to me, I would fall asleep. And finally on the Monday, so this was the, the Thursday I met the Lord Jesus Christ in hospital, praise God for that. And on the Monday I said to Kelly, get a Bible. I was feeling a lot more awake, I was feeling a lot um, a lot more chipper. Obviously, they had moved this aside, so what they do is it bruises. So you sound like um, you've got this husky voice. You know, I suppose, as I, as I say sometimes, that it was like a, a hospital Sean Connery, you know, with that weird sounding voice. And that was exactly that. And so I started being able to talk better as well. And I could say to Kelly, get Psalm 113. And when she read this, I just I, I couldn't actually believe how gracious our Lord is. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who dwells on high? Who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of her children. Praise the Lord. These psalms are actually, were actually sung in and around Passover. So remember Jesus was giving the Passover meal and they left there and they go and they went to go and worship. These are the psalms that they sing. I think it is from about 109, 110 to 115 or 16. And I just looked at the psalm and I thought, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're just supposed to be praising Him. He's got everything under control. And that's the encouragement for us today, is our hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who has everything in control. I don't know about you, but the last year has been, I've loved it, just a disclaimer, because it's been a lot of time to spend with the Lord and grow in Him. One thing I really learned is in the Lord's, what they call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the prayer to the disciples, Matthew chapter 6, is that the Lord says, we must ask, give us today our daily bread. Tomorrow has its own problems, right? Today is what we worry about. We only worry about today, and that's the biggest lesson I've learned. And especially in this pandemic, when people don't know what tomorrow brings, that's irrelevant. It's what we are, what, what, what we are and where we are with Jesus Christ in today. So that's the encouragement from that. I then got moved from the neural ICU to a different bed, and a similar thing happened in that peace and that quiet and that calm. But what had happened is that the Lord said that um, today we start with nerve regeneration. I think you can see some photos there. Um, and I didn't even know I had a neural injury. Yet the Lord really spoke to my heart and said today we'll start with those nerves and regenerating it. And so I started slowly but sl uh, surely getting movement back. And what had happened is, is that that day that we read Psalm 113, I can remember it was the 2nd of March, I said to Kelly, 
I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but go stand by the foot of my bed. It feels like my toe is going to move. And she just thought, okay, well, let me listen to the guy. I don't know, let's see. And it took about five minutes, ten minutes, because you know that now you've got the relays of the nerves. The nerves are damaged. So now they've got to try and talk and communicate to each other again. And praise God, it just flickered ever so slightly. And we all burst into tears and we all were so joyous and praise the Lord for that. But what had happened is, is the doctor came the next day and, he, and I said to him, Doctor, you won't believe this. I moved my toe yesterday. So he took the covers off and he said, okay, cool, move it again. For the life of me, could not move it. Could not move my toes at all. And he said, okay, what I want you to understand is that you've, you've got a spinal cord injury. And you get what is known as involuntary spasms. You'll spasm, but you'll think you're doing it, but it's actually just your nerves. Not trying to communicate, but it's involuntary. It just happens. And my words were to him, doctor, you can bring your science books because I'm going to rewrite history for you. And it might sound very arrogant now, but remember, I, was, I just met the Lord. I, had, I just wanted to tell everyone and let everyone know about this God, this amazing God that we serve. I spent three and a half months in hospital. I was in Mill Park for four weeks and went through various checks and um, x-rays and all sorts of things like that. There you'll see there's a picture of my foot on the screen. That is the first or second time I actually moved my toe. We managed to record it. And you'll see the next slide. If, if the slides are working okay. Okay, it's down. Okay, so anyway, now you have to look at my foot the whole time. Sorry about that. Um, it reminds me of, remember the man that Jesus is in Jericho and there's a blind man. And the blind man receives his sight and it says in Luke 18, 35 to 43. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And he heard a multitude passing by. He asked what it meant. So they told him that of Jesus, it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how... Israel doesn't know their Messiah. They reject their Messiah. But this blind man, he knew that Jesus was the son of David. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him. Glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, they gave praise to God. And I'm going to use the illustration of being blinded in sin, being blinded in the world, and being brought into the light of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what happened to this blind man. And I was blinded. I was completely blinded by the pleasures of the world, the lusts of the world, the disgusting things in the world. And if I had to sit with you, this testimony is actually quite a long one. I've nipped it very short. If I had to sit with you and tell you everything that I've been up to, you would, you would worship God even more. I'm, I'm really, really serious when I say that. After hospital, that was the day of the operation. As you can see, I've got a neck brace, which I had to wear for about eight weeks, six to eight weeks. Um, and, you know, the, the, the transformation that the gospel brought, I was taken to Rosebank Clinic. In Rosebank Clinic, I was there for two and a half months. A lot of stroke patients were around me, a lot of traumatic brain injuries. I was the only spinal cord injury. And what had happened is I kept on um, just having this one from the Lord to, to share with him, share my story, share what happened to me. And you'd be amazed at how the Lord brought restoration and healing in those instances. They might not have been 
and they probably weren't Christians, but they, it was bringing them hope in order to understand the gospel. And that was absolutely fantastic because I still couldn't move much. I only moved, uh, I stood for the first time probably three months after my accident. But what it was is it was just that hope and the inspiration that the Lord gave me to share with the others. I had one goal after hospital, after spending a lot of time there, was to um, obviously remember the Lord said, I want to bring you and Kelly closer to me, and you put on our heart to stop living in sin, stop living in the way that the world wants you to live, and get married. And so the, the, the husband, remember the, the man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. And that's the most important thing, is that we had to repent of those things, move out of that thing, move out of that lifestyle and come into the under the Lord Jesus Christ, under the Father. And so that was amazing. We got married a year later. Praise God for that. I could walk down the aisle, which was what I prayed, and I asked the Lord, please just grant me that moment where I could just stand with my wife up front while we glorify your name and what you've done in our lives. There I'm in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair for about six to eight months after the hospital and started getting stronger and stronger. And, and praise God for that because... The doctor at MedMed, the doctors at Mill Park said that I'd never walk again. And I should have told you that in the beginning. But that makes the testimony really, really amazing. Is that I was supposed to be quadriplegic, but it's only the great healer. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ that could heal me and take me from that. So praise God for that. I then have an exceptional love for the Word. I really, really cherish what the Lord has given us and revealed to us in the Word to disciple people. The Lord has brought us to, Noah and I were chatting earlier, we both study at SATS and Amelia as well, and I don't know, Owen hasn't studied there yet, huh? I don't think they'll accept him, but um, we, we love the Word. My wife and I have been gifted with a ministry to, to take people under our arms and disciple them, and to teach them in the Word and to grow them in the Word, because we find in the church today, unfortunately, the Word is secondary. And the word is so important for you and I today. If we want to know the character, the hope, the love of Jesus, all those things, we're not going to get it out of sniffing fresh air. We get it out of the word and with the testimony of the spirit of God within us. So my encouragement to all of us always is understand the word, get into the word and enjoy the word. I'm going to close on this. Okay, I read a lot of books, but one of them is uh, Mr. A.W. Tozer. I don't know who enjoys reading Tozer, but he's... The way that the Lord used him in, in just understanding the spiritual things of Christ is absolutely amazing. And he says, true spirituality manifests itself in certain dominant desires. Number one, first is a de desire to be holy rather than happy. Think about that. Number two, a man may be considered spiritual when he wants to see the honor of God advance through his life. Even if it means that he himself must suffer temporary dishonor or loss. Number three, the spiritual man wants to carry his cross. Number four, again, a Christian is spiritual when he sees everything from God's viewpoint. Number five, another desire of the spiritual man is to die right rather than to live wrong. Number six, the desire to see others advance at his expense. The world doesn't teach that. The world says, I'm going to cut this oak out of the way so that I can be the greatest thing ever. The desire to see others advance at his expense. And lastly, the spiritual man habitually makes eternity judgments instead of time judgments. So you're thinking, great, 
awesome testimony. Well, praise God for that. The Lord has taken me from a place where I was dead in my transgressions and sins. And He was gracious enough to make me alive to the things of the Lord, to understand the things of the Lord. And I pray that the encouragement for us today is that there is hope always in the name of Jesus. There's encouragement in that name. There's power in that name. Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first, then to the Greek. And I think that's the amazing thing, is when we understand the power of the gospel, we won't need to worry about this world. Remember, when we give our lives to Christ, we are now sojourners in this earth. We're no longer part of the world. We have a task, we have things to do for the Lord, and then He'll take us home when He's ready. 1 Timothy 6.11 Soon after hospital, I sat with my Bible in the bed like this. Uh, it was gifted to me, praise God. And this scripture could have been as wide as it was high. And it, 1 Timothy 6.11 reads, But you, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Thank you for letting me share. May the Lord's name be praised. Let's close in a prayer and let's glorify His name. Gracious God, we thank you for this time spent together. Thank you for the testimony that you have brought us all out of this place, out of this world, into a relationship with the Son. I pray that each and every person here does know the Lord Jesus Christ and is in a relationship with Him. And Lord, this is not for our name's sake, but it's for your name's sake. You've saved us. You came down from heaven. You emptied yourself of everything you knew and took on the form of a slave, Lord, of a bondservant, so that you could redeem man under the law, Lord. So thank you for that. Thank you for the people here at Impact Christian Church. I pray for them, Lord, that they search you and seek you continuously, steadfast until you take them home. May we look forward to your return. May we love you. May we praise you. and May we worship you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.